Yes, 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 it's the Real Talk Real Walk family. We are back with another episode. Come on. Another week full of character. Mm. <laughs> another week full of more energy. Yes. Another week full of full of dilemmas and questions. Mm. Another episode to raise the roof on the ceiling. What, 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 what? Another episode to open the chamber. Okay, I don't know what I'm saying now. <laughs> open the chamber. Myself, myself, Mr. Game Changer. And it's your girl, Aura. Excellent. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening. Right, so we've got a few questions today. We're going on with a the theme of dilemmas. Um, so we appreciate everybody for sending them in. Mm. Uh, much love to you all. Hopefully you lot are listening to hear the answers to some of your questions. Uh, right, so the first one is, should men slash women start to talk to God about living a single life forever? Marriage isn't for everyone, whether that's a personal decision or God's plan for your life. Phrasing isn't 100%, but hopefully you get my drift. So ultimately, I repeat, should... Should we as Christians start to talk to God about living a single life forever, knowing that everybody's not called to get married? Mm. Or knowing that everyone's not going to get married, rather? Talk to God uh, talk to God as in before or talk to God after? Talk to God before. So I assume this is for single this is for single people. Should singletons talk to God about the fact that they are not gonna get married and they're gonna live a single life forever? I think the question is like saying, I think the person is saying there's a possibility mm-hmm. that, well, obviously not everyone's going to get married. So is it something that we should pray about to consider whether you're one of those people or should you just carry on in the dating scene as normal? I don't know if, I don't know if my interpretation is correct, but that's what I would guess that this question is getting at. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that line of thought. I think that's where, it, where it's getting at as well. Um, I think... It's a reality. I mean, it's a harsh reality, but I think it's definitely a reality worth discussing and worth mentioning that not everybody is going to get married. As much as everybody probably, not everybody, but as much as a lot of people have the desire to get married, I think it's worth mentioning that not everybody will do, which is perfectly fine, which is perfectly understandable, especially if we look at like the ratio of in church. Like, arguably, it could be like 60 to 40 um, women to men. Some people will probably argue that it's probably 8 to 20. Mm. Um, so that in itself probably gives off this impression that you know there might not be enough men within the body in order to marry all of the women within Christ mm. um, and I think just generally speaking not everybody is is going to get married so it's definitely worth having that in mind mm. um, rather than continuously believing yes I'm going to get married I'm going to get married and it might not actually happen in the same way it's obviously vice versa one shouldn't think I'm forever going to be single, I'm forever going to be single, because obviously one could actually get married. But I think it's probably, for me, it's probably just a mental thing that we should have in mind, that even though we might be single right now, um, we don't know where the pendulum's going to swing. So yeah, we might end up in a relationship, we might not, but I think it's just worth coming to that realisation that it can go either way. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll probably be a whole lot easier once coming to that realisation, because I think there is this stigma that Christians love marriage, um, there is a stigma that Christians always preach about marriage, we're always preaching about, or we're always talking about relationships, um, always talking about, yeah, my husband, my husband, my wife, my wife. 
but I definitely do think yeah, some people probably do need to come. In fact, everybody should come to the reality that you know not everyone that's going to get married. Mm. Um, I think that's I think that's a, a true reality. It, yes, it's true. Not not everyone will get married. Um, but I think for me, I rather um, not not sell a dream. But I think in life, I'd I'd rather be someone who is full of faith and optimistic that. You know, e- even if it's not, so can you hear me now? Yeah, I was gonna. I was saying that you know, it might not be, it might not be in your twenties, um, it might not necessarily be, you know, in your thirties. It might come later on down the line, but I'm I'm someone that would encourage people, a person, you know what? Don't don't give up. Um, believe God, it is possible. However, if you feel like you know you've had conversations with God and it's like. Well, because I think for some people, some some people, it's they make a choice not to get married. Um, I don't necessarily always just think that, oh, you know, for, for some for some people, it might be that God prefers them to not be married. Um, and for some people, it's that they make the choice not to be married. I think either one, there's no issue with that. It's there's it's not a sin. You're not going to hell. But I think I'd rub. I think that desiring marriage is not a bad thing. I think the issue comes where we've seen people idolize marriage um, and idolize, you know, you know, wedding lifestyle and whatnot. And that's where the issue lies. But I don't think there's wrong, anything wrong with someone desiring it. And I, I encourage people, I would encourage someone like, if you're like, it's not like God said to Adam, it's not good that man should be alone. I don't think, I don't think God's best desire for, an individual is to see them you know be lonely even though we are we are truly the the, the person who can satisfy us the most is god yes let me, let me but, quick, go through just a quick jump in um being alone doesn't mean lonely yeah so um, because, one, because one is single it doesn't mean they're lonely because you can be single but not be not feel lonely i think there's a difference between the two between you, being lonely and being alone Yes, but then that can easily be a matter of semantics. And I know people have been, <laughs> people get onto me for saying the word semantics a lot. But I think I, I think it, it can be semantics because in that context in Genesis, God said it's not good that man should be alone. And for that, God presented Adam with a wife, Eve. So he was alone. So alone, um, being you said a, lonely though. Oh, did I? I, I, yeah. Did I? If you meet alone, cool, then, then, fair, then right on, cool. If, you, if what you meant is alone, then that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I did say alone because I was, I quoted, I tried to quote Genesis. Yeah, I think you did say alone. Yeah, yeah. So it's not good that man should be alone. I, I, I don't believe that it's, it's, it's good that people should be alone or feel lonely. But at the end of the day, marriage doesn't necessarily mean that because people are married and they're lonely as well. But the point is this: that you better speak, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Abs- people are in marriages and they are lonely. So it's not just the presence of someone. It's about the, the needs being met. It's about feeling loved. It's about feeling wanted. It's about feeling appreciated and all of those kind of things. But all, in essence, what I'm trying to say is that I think that if 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 I'm I want to speak to the individual, like if you feel like you're in that place and you're like, you know what, I don't think marriage is for me because I'm not seeing anyone. Don't give up hope like it's not the end. If you feel like, if you, or if you believe God has spoken to you and said, you know what, marriage isn't for you, that's a different kettle of fish. But don't get like, still have hope, you know. 
if, if, if marriage is something that you desire and you desire earnestly, you're not lusting after it, but you're like, you know what, you, you do want to have a family, you know, you do want to have kids or whatever, then it's not wrong. Believe God, trust in God. Um, even if it doesn't happen, there's nothing wrong still with having faith. That's the whole point of having faith. Um, and let God minister to you through that and find first, find your peace in God and then find your settlement in God that even if, okay, nobody comes my way, I'm still settled in God. I still have this beautiful union with God that allows me to to feel loved, cared for. And I've got a group, good group of friends that, that love me and care about me. So I don't, even if I don't get married, I know I'm secure in myself. Sorry. I think, I feel like this is more of a bigger concern for women than it is for men, simply because mm. there's more, we, we already know there's more women than there are men. Yeah. So therefore, I think a lot of women may potentially worry that they're not going to get married and they're not, they're not going to find somebody. But I think, um, as Iman was saying, I think the key thing here is just to find rest in God because none of us really know tomorrow and unless unless God himself has told you and prophesied and said, this is the, this is the exact path that I want for you with regards to marriage, mm. we don't know. So all we can truly do is rest. And I, like I always say, to people even the married people you don't know if god forbid you can get married and then god's plan is for you to become a widow at before you turn 30 god forbid mm. we're all walking in the journey in a journey of the unknown none of us know tomorrow whether you're married single whatever stage of life that we're all at we don't know tomorrow and i think the key for all of us is to just continue to take rest in god because we just don't know what what can happen and to trust right. that his will for us is always good, whether that means we're going to get married, whether or not we're, whether that means that we're not going to get married. His, his, his will and plans for our lives are always good. Yeah. Beyond that, I think um, we always have to remember, and I don't want to sound cliche, but when the Bible talks about singleness being a gift, and I know that that sounds rich when coming from somebody who's already married, especially when the person who's asking might desire marriage, but there isn't mm. like marriage isn't the be all and end all of everything. In the sense that there's a lot of freedom that you won't have when you're married. There's a lot. There's another person to take into consideration. Time with God. Your time with God might change. I know people who have children, young children, and they say, um, you know, time with God changes when you have a young child because it's the spiritual practices and disciplines that you learn in your singleness that is what you carry mm. into marriage and into motherhood or, or or fatherhood. And if you haven't built the right practices when you're single, when you get married or mm. when you have children, all that can fall out the window because you just don't. You might not necessarily have the time in the same way so just an encouragement mm. like to the person who asked that question for every stage of life that you're at find rest and find contentment in god because you know that he's the only one that can sustain us regardless of whether you're married like you're going to have a, ch a different challenge in marriage you're going to have a different challenge in singleness you're going to have a different challenge in when you become like in motherhood or fatherhood mm. Mm. you don't feel like marriage should be seen as success no, absolutely not. It's the one thing I actually really um, hate about how we portray marriage because it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's not an exam that you pass. It's not like it's not that everybody who's who's married is because they did something right in life. That's not what. That's not how marriage works. It, so many people are married for so many different reasons. It could be because it was a marriage of convenience or because they were two um, high class families and they wanted to keep the money close do you know what i mean like everybody's married for different reasons and marriage is not it's not a mark of success at all as far as i'm concerned 
I, I, I want to throw a spine in the works. I don't necessarily believe that getting married is a sign of success, but I do believe that a good marriage is a sign of success. Um, and why I say that is because you've, you've made um, loving your spouse and serving your spouse a priority. Um, and I think that is successful in a Christian way because, for example, where Paul gives the instruction of husbands, love, love your wives as Christ loves the church and um, wives submit to your husbands and all of these kind of things. Um, when you do that, I, th I do think it's a sign of Christian success, not as the world sees success in a sense of, oh, wow, they've got this, this, this and that. But no, if someone can look at you and go, wow, like you've got a beautiful marriage. I do class, I do class that as success. I don't classify getting married as success, but I, I do definitely see um, building a good marriage, building a good family. I think that's, I think that's, that's, that's successful. I can probably might say it's um, semantic here, but I would, I would probably argue that that is seen as a successful marriage as opposed to this is success. Full stop. I think that's probably. A successful marriage is the things that you said. So, if but, you're obviously, what, but that was, but wasn't that your question? You said no, it's a right. sign of success. There's a, there's a notion that marriage is an achievement. Like to get married, it's an achievement. I think sometimes because of how marriage is often desired, yeah, ma getting married is often seen as an achievement. Like we get a reward, certificate, clap, well done, you're married now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like Aura was saying. It's, it's seen as an achievement, which is which probably contributes to why so many people aspire to get married. Right. I don't think that's true. No. Like, I, I agree with you that I think that marriage, for some people, is seen as an achievement, but I don't think it's it, it's necessarily the reason why a lot of people want to get married. I think, and I can completely understand what Iman is saying, I think um, there's nothing wrong with desiring, you know, to be loved and to have somebody to love. And I, life is sweeter when you do it together, whether that's in friendship, in family, or in marriage. So I completely understand why somebody would desire marriage and i also understand why iman said um that it's a sign of success if you have a good marriage i completely understand where you're coming from but yeah. i also think that marriage it, it because it, there's two people involved in the marriage you could be the the perfect husband or the most loving the husband who's the absolute best leader and loves his wife completely but if the wife is not interested and that's not what she wants to do like all of a sudden she gets married and a screw changes in her head mm. and and she decides that actually she's not on it and she just she wants to get up and she wants to leave one day that doesn't it's not because you were a terrible husband it's mm. not because you were unsuccessful in your role to be a husband sometimes that's just the way that life works yeah no i definitely i definitely get that but obviously that's why ma marriage is a is is a two-way street and in obviously in that example which it it, it does happen so i don't want to negate that um you know, I don't want it. I don't think it diminishes the hard work that the the spouse who is actually putting in the work. It doesn't diminish, you know, what they're doing. But I ju I just think that two people. What what I'm describing or what I was describing is two people coming together to try and, and do their best by the grace of God to make this union of that we call marriage work. I that is what I'm. That's what I'm describing, and that's what I'm. That's what I believe is should be classified as successful <clears throat> sorry from a christian perspective but getting married just like oh i proposed to you we've got engaged da, 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 and then now we're married uh, that that's not that's not successful like the world always wants to give an accolade for everything like some people deem you know oh i just registered my business 
you know, today. That's that's not successful. But some in the world, some people see that as, as successful because it's like everyone's starting a business. But no. But in a Christian context, going to this, the way we measure things is according to scriptures, obviously. And there are things that, you know, the Bible encourages and endorses. And so, you know, wives loving their husbands, husbands loving their wives, loving their kids, being good in their community, serving God and being faithful. <clears throat> I definitely think those are in a Christian sense. I do think that that is success in the eyes of a Christian and not necessarily, um, yeah, because you and your spouse started a business um, and you made loads of money. That means you're successful in the eyes of God. No, not necessarily. That's good, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily how the Bible or, or the scriptures weigh up what success is. Um, I mean, if you want to talk scripturally, as far as we're all concerned, the only success is that we all make heaven. Everything else on this side of eternity is just a vapor anyway. Like the extra things and the treasures that we can build up on earth, but we can't take them with us to heaven. And when it comes to marriage, I really do think that it's a successful marriage is it's, it's all by the grace of God. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but <laughs> I, no, I, no, I'm definitely. a lot more skeptical about no. these things. No, I hear you, but then we shouldn't allow our skepticism to to negate something that's good because for example the reason why you know if we even though yes we should <clears throat> set our minds on things above we should focus on treasures that are that are eternal yes but while we're on earth the reason why we've been given instructions and we've been given doctrine on how to behave on the on this planet is because god still is to be glorified while we're live while we're living sorry and so when we when we're obedient um, and when we reflect his nature, God is most glorified when when we're doing these things. So it is possible, even if you're single, but you, you know, you keep yourself, you know, the, the celibacy piece and, you know, honoring God with your tongue and honoring God with your body and honoring God with your service. Those are things that in the eyes of the scripture, they are, you know, they are things that, that God is pleased in. Hence the, like, for example, like even before Jesus started his ministry, when he gets baptized. And then God, what does God say? The heavens open and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He doesn't wait to get to heaven, even though it's Jesus. He doesn't wait to heaven before he says that. No, he says it while he's alive. And so I believe that God is always saying that to his children while they're alive. You're my son, you're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And so it is possible for God to be pleased in your obedience, your acts of worship to him while you're alive. But then ultimately, remember that, yes, as you've rightly said, this life is a vapor. And that we should set our, you know, the, the treasure that really matters, we set it before God. Because re remember that even as a spouse, you will one day have to give an account to God and say, look, as a husband, I'm going to have to give an account to God and say, ah, God, I mistreated my wife. And I'll have to stand before God and go, ah, God forbid anyway that I'm saying I don't mistreat my wife. <laughs> I'm just giving an example. I will have to stand before God and give an account of what I did to my wife. And if I wasn't a good husband, I'll be held accountable for that. Do you understand? Yeah, Same definitely. for you as a wife. So there's still that responsibility while we're here. And so it's just about being careful how we gauge what Christian success is. So marriage, no, getting married and saying yes to somebody, no, that's not successful. It's a good thing. I don't want anybody to listen to God and then and people think, oh, why are these guys, you know, demonizing getting married? No, we're not demonizing getting married. It's a good thing. It will be ridiculous for people to even think that because the three of us here are married. So <laughs> yeah, but you, know, you get some... the wrong impression. That's just foolishness. <laughs> Sometimes it's, I, I mean, the world that we see, especially 
by the way people interpret things online is I wouldn't be surprised that someone manages to pick it up wrong. But the point is that, you know, marriage is a good thing, right? But the point is this, that what matters more is about how the couple reflects Christ in that union called marriage. That's where we classify the success. Not me putting the ring on your finger. That's a good thing, but that's not eter where eternal success lies or that's not where God is glorified the most. God is glorified the most when people can see the when people can see a reflection of the relationship with Christ and the church in your marriage. That's what that. we see as successful. I agree with that. I think I think in saying that then, I think we should and when I say we I mean a body, I think we should probably desire a successful marriage mm -hmm. rather than just desire marriage in itself. Yeah. Because I think people can desire marriage, get married and you know, like you said, not exactly have a successful marriage. I think that on this occasion, the goalpost probably does need to shift in terms of how we think and how we perceive marriage to not just having the desire to get married mm -hmm. or not just praying that our husband would appear right. but actually, or our wife would appear, mm -hmm. but actually praying that when we do get married, we would actually have a successful marriage. Because right. Obviously, there's loads of marriages that happen in or, in or outside of the church that are not exactly successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I just do think that there are some people and I can just tell from like, you know, things people say, the tweets, that there is like a, a strong desire to get married, but getting married is not where it ends. Like getting married is just the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 the beginning of the journey. It's not, oh I'm married now, I can celebrate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, this is where a, a new journey a new journey begins and it's it's definitely challenging, but yeah, this is not episode on challenges of marriage, but yeah. <laughs> that would actually be a very good episode though. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. The next question, kind of similar on this relationship thing. Next question is, should your partner serve? What steps to take if your partner doesn't serve or doesn't take it seriously? <laughs> I'm assuming, I'm I'm assuming I'm is, sorry, I'm assuming that this serve is in the church context? I, I'm assuming that as well, to be fair. Okay, cool. Um, I think this question is not even relating to relationships. I personally think everyone should serve um, within the church, one way or the other. I don't even think it's relating to whether it's my partner or not. I think everybody probably should. I don't. I don't know if everybody can serve on the same Sunday because there'll be no congregation. Mm -hmm. But I definitely do believe that everybody should serve within within the body of Christ, one way or another. So I think this question. Um, it's a good one for sure, but I don't think this question is pertaining to relationships. I think if everybody just had the mentality of serving the people, serving God, I think ultimately your partner or this girl or this guy's partner would ultimately be serving. So it means we're all serving together. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. Okay. All right. What What do you think? I think serving in the church is is not necessary. I don't think that's a necessity, but I do agree that you need to be like, we should all be aspiring to serve in one way or another. Not everybody's ministry is going to be like, I don't know, it's not everyone's going to be involved in like the worship team or the ushering or even evangelizing. But some people maybe, I mean, I know people who are doing things in schools every day. They're going into schools and talking to young people. Now, that's not necessarily a ministry that every church might necessarily have. Mm. But I think what's more important is looking at the condition of, that your partner or that person's heart and looking at their desire for the things of Christ and how seriously they're taking their walk with Christ as a whole. Can you see evidence of fruits of the Holy Spirit in their lives? I think all of that 
is more important and I think if they do have the right fruits out of that will flow the um the desire to serve mm-hmm. yeah I I I my person this is this is an opinion I do believe that in some way shape or form that you know everyone that goes to a local local church should participate in one way shape or form you don't have to necessarily be on the biggest teams but you can offer a strength that you have and it might not necessarily be in the sunday context mm-hmm. it might be like what you described like maybe there's a mentorship program in a local that the church offers to a, a local secondary school and you're you're a teacher or you're a mentor or you've got a mentor in business or whatever you can offer that service you know to to the school you know and be part of you know the church outreach to the community but i i just believe that as as best as possible if you're a member of a local body do your best to try and be engaged um i i and you know what why i say this is because i think that especially in marriage context i think that it especially for a woman i think that even though it's not the only sign but i think it's a good sign when you see a man serving in the house of God, especially in this climate where men are not, and I'm not talking about him having to be on the preaching squad, no, I'm, or him being on the preaching roster, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, I think that it is very good or it's very admirable that a man is serving in some sort of capacity. I think that gives an extra booster for a woman that may have an eye on a particular guy. And that, okay, he serves in the house of God. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best husband alive. Exactly. But, it's like, but he's still serving in the house of God. I'd rather him serve in the house of God and show that he can actually be committed to something than not, than not serve in the house of God and not serve another purpose or agenda or him not serve in the community or something. I'd rather see him serve and know that, you know what, this guy has got some sort of a servant's heart. Rather than not seeing him, rather than not seeing him serve at all, because if he can serve somewhere else, that means he can he can learn the skills to be able to serve his wife. If he doesn't serve anywhere, I'd I'd be more scared. Uh, as a woman, I, even though I'm not a woman, as but yeah, if I was, I'd be very scared if I didn't see a guy that I'm interested in serve somewhere in some sort of capacity. Maybe I might have missed it. Why are you um, focusing on the men's service? I just I feel like women are more more likely or they they would want to serve more than guys especially in the current church context Um, I also feel like women are almost like especially if you're like an African woman a lot of women are brought up to naturally serve like when you're at home you you, Mm -hmm. you serve a plate you you might observe your mum serving a plate to your dad or you're looking after your siblings in that kind of way I do feel like women are naturally brought up to, to just be servants Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I shout don't mean all the non-Africans, by the way. Sorry, I said shout out all the non-Africans, by the way. We see you lot serving too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we I see. I mean, you. I only said Africans because I can only speak for yeah, what speak I know. Yeah, yeah. Nah, nah, hey. Don't be politically correct nowadays. Before someone yeah. say, "Oh, look at them," they think <laughs> me as a Japanese, I can't serve. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I get, I get you, I get you, one hundred percent. I think that. No, like, yeah, already articulated what I was, what, you know, what, what I meant. Um, we see it a lot more with women as, from a cultural context, where we see that women often serve more in the, in the household context, in the community context, 
in church. They're just more willing to do stuff. And this is not to say that guys who are listening that you don't serve. Guys do serve. But what I'm saying is that there needs to be a culture where guys are just hungry to serve more and not because they're looking for a platform and not because they, they want to be seen, but they actually want to serve people in church. They actually want to serve the purposes of God. And by the grace of God, I believe that we're seeing it more. I just, I'm just focusing on the guys more because my heart is that I see more men just willing to serve in any capacity, men serving in the youth, uh, in the youth department, men serving, you know, in the, in the hospitality department, men serving, especially in the, in like, there's like even men on the worship team that are not playing instruments. I want to see you, man. Do you understand? It's easy for a man to go, yeah, yeah the, the guy plays keys, he plays drums, he plays bass. I want to see the male singers. Do you understand? Funny, the man them are not really good at singing then. That's maybe what it is, bro. Bro, man them can sing, bro. No, they're they're, can bro, there are man them that can sing. But because, they, maybe this is another topic for another day, but this, the stigma that there's a subtle stereotype that is women that have the good voices. When you go to America, you see man them in choirs like mad. You come over well, here, and it's there's like man them, there's man them here. Obviously, the tenors in it. It's a lot I of man them. But even now, there's like one. So I mean, out of the, out of the potential tenors that could be, sure. I don't know. Maybe man them ain't got the range in it. <laughs> it's just it, you know what? It's just about I, I get the range bit. Obviously, I get the technicalities on the musicality bit. But I'm just talking about the willingness to just go and do something and serve in the house of God. Yeah. Uh, I think when it does come to man them serving, I think they're probably serving in the teaching area, you know. I think there's a lot of men that like preach, a lot of men that teach. I don't know, when you said youth group, I just thought of the youth groups I've been involved in. And there's always men leaders. There's always like young men that are like the youth leader and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I'm more talking about people like guys who are just want to mentor like the young people. Like they're not looking for a platform to preach like they, they, the young people, they, 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 they're making sure that in the middle of the week, okay, you guys good, okay, a level results coming up. How's everyone doing? That that, that kind of stuff, as opposed to oh, pastor, yeah, aside, I'm I'm not referring to youth pastor. No, 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 no. Like I said, the preaching and teacher, we yeah, the man got that covered. Too, yeah, we've got that covered, and that's why I said things like hospitality, because hospitality, we don't really see Never guys. They're too tough, but there's some amazing, but there's some amazing guys who can cook that can serve, that can, you know, that can usher, that they, you know, they can look after guests and stuff like that. But once again, it's kind of like, is it a man's thing to do? No, not really. What what are people going to think of me? Are people going to think, you know, I'm less of a man or, you know, I'm I'm effeminate if, I, if I'm part of this team? So these stereotypes need to be broken down. But this is another topic. So... Not yeah. even to be like the devil's advocate, yeah? yeah. But I think it, it might come down to um the population within the church so if there were more men in church yeah. you might likely see more men serving yeah but because the church might be dominated by or yeah dominated the majority by women mm -hmm. that might be why it looks as though it's mainly women serving no i women than men the ratio of the men that are serving is still smaller than the ratio of the women yeah but if there's more men in church i mean it's hypothetical isn't it so it's, it's, it's hard to disagree with something that's hypothetical. True. If, if there were more men in church, we might see more men serving. We'll never find out unless the, more, unless the men appear. But yes, but also, but also, even though what you're saying is hypothetical, let's look at what's factual. We look at churches. Let's look at leadership teams. 
Let's look at teaching teams. Let's look at preaching teams. Who's who are who who dominates them? It's men. Who dominates who dominates the roles that are more um that are people heavy, like serving them or hands-on operational? It's women. Hospitality, cleaning, serving in this way and that way, ushering team. Da, 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 da. All of those things, all, all of those teams primarily are 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 mainly women or women dominated. But then you look at the media team, media is more men, you know, videography, that communications or yeah, it's it's more men. Um, music team, the the musicians are men, and then the rest, most of the choir is like ninety or ninety five percent women, and then there's a one two guys in there. So once again, there's like typical areas where you know men are going to dominate, even though they're not many in number right now. You look at where they're dominating, and it's more. Yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> it's worth mentioning though. At, at least they're serving, in it. Yeah, I mean? no, absolutely. That's I'm that's what. About and at least they're serving yeah. right in, in the house but yeah. it might That's not be necessarily ideal for for you or it might not be what you may deem as the best thing to happen but we we can thank god that they are actually serving you know what i mean yeah no 100 percent. that's why i was saying early, that's why i said earlier i if i was a woman i'd rather a man that's serving in church than that than a man that doesn't serve at all so i have nothing against guys that are serving right now we need them we need you know, preachers, we need the musos, we need, you know, the guys that are doing the audio technical stuff, we need them, we can't, you know, we can't do, you know, away with them, they're very essential, they're very important, I'm just saying that, I think, go, like, going back to the question, I just feel like there's an, there just needs to be that encouragement for men to just generally serve, and there should be more of a willingness to, to serve, and mucking, even where, even in places where maybe you don't have the greatest strengths, but you're like, you know what, because I want to serve, I want to give my best in a particular, you know, area where, you know, let's say if you've got a bad voice, I'm not saying that you should go and join the choir because they pro- you probably won't get past the, <laughs> the trials or the, you know, the interview or whatever. Oh, man. But maybe you can join the ushering team. Like, you might have a bad voice, but you've got great people skills. You're smiling. You're always, you're jumpy. You're, you like to dance. You like to gas people up. Bruh, join the ushering team. You can dress. You can you dress well. Like people, you know, notice all the things. Bruv, join the ushering team. Like they they need people like that. Do you understand? Don't feel like oh, you know, am I less of a man because I'm an usher? Or does that mean that I have a less of uh, the call of God is lesser on my life because I'm an usher? No, just just serve. Like it's just it's a good thing to serve. That's what I'm trying to say. And also, this is for women as well. Like it's a good thing to serve. Don't feel like. The call of God is lesser on your life because you're in a different department to somebody else. No, like if you're not on the choir, it does not mean that you're more spirit, uh, you're you're less spiritual than than the worship leader. No, it doesn't. Serve. I think it's a good thing. Like let let couples let them do it. serve God different areas. You know, let everybody because we're one body. Let everyone play their part. Whether it's Sunday, you know, context or whether midweek context or outside of church context, whether it's church outreaches and stuff like that at least do your best to try and offer your help and support. That's what yeah. I would say. And for the man them that are in an ushering team, for the man them that are in hospitality, even though it might be few, we see you shining. Yeah, man. We love it, man. We love it. I this love it. This isn't to say we haven't acknowledged you. We just, you know, saying it would be, it would be great if there was more men within various different roles rather than the usual, typical. Mm-hmm. So for the man them that can't sing, keep going on. For the man them that are showing people to their seats, keep doing your thing. We mm-hmm. see you. For the man them that are not serving at all, 
then by all means see this as an encouragement to try and serve not because you want to please your partner or you want your your girl that you're interested in to see you and think oh my gosh he's amazing but just for your own service unto God and to the people mm-hmm. um, it's a great thing for you to, to step up and and assist the ministry and assist the body because we all got to work together as one in order to uh, do the work that we know God has called us to do uh, and then lastly we've got bible study tips so I don't really think that's a question that's probably just a general uh, what tips have you got to study the word so uh, start with you, Aurif. How do you, how do you study the word? How do you oh, study it's, your Bible study? Um, no pressure. Um, personally, I just use an app. I've tweeted about it before. I use um two different apps, which I've, I'm not going to mention the name on here. Um, but yeah, because I mean, we di- they didn't pay me, but <laughs> yes, yeah, so I use two different. Uh uh-uh. <laughs> your people. Oh, no. uh-uh. DM people. I tweeted it. She only talks on things when she's getting paid. No, I'm joking. Um, so the apps that I would use, I also didn't want to mention them because somebody might be like, oh, I don't like that app. But I use First 5 and First 15, and they basically have lots of different plans, and they, they will give you a scripture, and then they kind of take you through the scripture. Well, it's like a more like a passage than the scripture. Sometimes you might be going through a particular book, so maybe Judges, and there will be like a, a chapter a day that you'll read and then there's a devotion I read the devotion and there's usually a prayer at the end as well and so that I like it because you can either go through books or you can go through or it goes through topics and I find it has a bit more substance than say the bible app for me um so I think using an app is the best way sometimes you can also use um devotional books or there's things like the I don't know if they still do it the word for today I used to use that back in the day mm-hmm. I, I had a subscription and it would come to the house and I would which works in a similar fashion to the app there's the apps that I mentioned so there'll be a scripture then a devotion then a prayer sometimes if I'm after something in particular then then I might use the bible app or I might seek out scriptures on a particular thing so if it's anxiety then I I wanted to do it if I want to do an in-depth um study on anxiety then I would use an app I mean I would go to the bible app and I, I can type in anxiety and sometimes they have plans and then I would tend to try and go deeper um in terms of questions and things like that like I really like gotquestions.org which is a website you can put any of your questions in like the other day I was I was having a conversation with my husband about whether or not God has favorites and whether or not it was appropriate to say like oh you're God's favorite I went on um gotquestions.org and I kind of um, read that I find it really good it's got all sorts of things on there and I think it's a good starting place it's 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 a little bit reformed bias so <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just I'm just being honest about it. I'm not saying where I stand I'm just saying that's like it can be a bit reformed bias you've already shown where you stand sure no 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 not at all um but yeah so it's a little bit biased in that way but Generally speaking, I think it's such a good website for um, lots of deep questions that you have. And then from there, it will give you the scriptures and then you can kind of go and study them separately as well. So that's kind of what I do. But I think consistency is probably what most people struggle with. And if we're being honest, I struggle with consistency as well. But um, having those apps there, I really need them to be to be actually giving me notifications. Um, You didn't read your Bible today. I think if I saw that... <laughs> On the days when I don't read my Bible, I might be a bit more like, oh, I need to read it today. But yeah, um, that's that's how I study my Bible. I would like, to, I would be interested to hear what you guys use as well. I use um, <clears throat> I the 
my two favorite um, translations are the Amplified. The Amplified is my go-to. That's my number one. So whether the Amplified Classic or just the Amplified, um, yeah, the AMP or AMPC. Um, and then I also, for the Greek and the Hebrew, I have the Strong's Concordance. So I've got a massive concordance. So the concordance basically is like a dictionary for, um, it has the, all the Greek words that are used in the New Testament. It has them in there. So it will give you the definitions, the language, what it means, that kind of stuff, how to pronounce it. And then also for the Hebrew, <coughs> sorry, for the Hebrew um, words as well that are used in the Bible, all of that is in the Strong's Concordance. I use the Bible, I like to use the Bible app um, and I use, I, I like to, another Bible app that I use is Logos, L-O-G-O-S, and I also use Blue Letter Bible as well. I know I'm saying a lot of things, but I guess probably maybe it was expected because I'm the, yes. So, um, <clears throat> aside from that, online tools, um, yeah, quite a lot of the, the, the popular online websites and stuff like that are probably reform leaning. So you have the Gospel Coalition, TGC. You have Desiring God, which is... Um, I love Desiring God. John Piper's thing. I've read a lot of good stuff on there, but then there's stuff on there that I don't agree <laughs> with, obviously, for theological purposes. Um, there is... What else? TGC, Desire, Desiring God. There was one that I found by... Um, um, uh, some black theologians, really good. It's called the front porch, the front porch. So that's really good. It tackles like a lot. It has like a lot of input from black um, preachers, theologians, bishops, all of that kind of stuff. So the front porch is really good. Um, the Bible Hub, the Bible Hub has a lot of good articles on there. Is it the Bible Hub? Hub or sorry, or the Bible.com? The Bible.com. Wait, let me. I think it's Bible.com. They have a lot of... Um, anyway, I'll find it maybe while Gabs is speaking, but um, no, it's not Bible.com. Um, but yeah, version as well. version has like loads of... Um, <clears throat> what do you call it? Loads of plans for like a lot of topics. So that is really good. But ultimately, what I'll say is this. The best way as a believer, like... To, to, to study the Bible, if you're kind of new in the faith or you want to revisit the, the pillars or the foundations of the faith, go through the Gospels and go through the epistles that really articulate what the Gospel is all about, which I've described already. But there's things like, let's say, for example, you want to know what the Bible says about money. You want to know what the Bible says about tithing. You want to know what the Bible says about sex. You want to know what the Bible says about, um, about smoking or getting a tattoo or whatever like they are you can always um type it in and look for scriptures that align with it and then do a study yourself so go through all those scriptures that you find and before reading what i'll say is this guys the best way to study the bible is not by reading someone's opinions then reading the bible it's best to read the bible first and then look at various views on what you're reading because what happens now is that the reason why like even though i i mentioned them before and i don't I don't have anything intrinsically, I don't have, I'm not at animosity with like reform circles or maybe other denominations, but sometimes what people do is like, they will go on Desiring God and look on the topic like women preaching in church. They'll read it 
they'll read what someone has to say, then they'll go to the Bible and read the text and go, hmm, this is what it means. But what you've done is you've read someone's opinion, mm -hmm. then you've read it into the scripture rather than looking at the scripture, understanding the context, get a concordance out, maybe also getting, um, actually, another one. Sorry, guys, I'm talking much. Tell me when to stop. There's another, there's one of the best translations. If you want to get like a more cleaner, um, more authentic uh, translation, then type in interlinear Bible, inter, I-N-T-E-R-L-I-N-E-A-R, interlinear Bible. And literally the language that the Bible was written in, it will, it will basically, it will, you will read it, but I'd, you can buy interlinear Bibles, but also Bible Hub have an interlinear Bible version. So <clears throat> you could just go to Google and type in Genesis 1 interlinear version, and it will give you like in the original language that Genesis was written in or the closest um, language it was written in to the, to the original and then you'll be able to get a better understanding. Then it will have like links to the words, the actual words that are used. So you can click on it and see what those words actually mean. So you can have better context. Interlinear is really good. Um, I like to look at Greek and Hebrew a lot. So I, if I want to get a better understanding, because the English language might be limited or the English language is limited, I always double check or triple check with interlinear version. But yeah. Before find my going back to my final point is is that be very careful when you're studying the Bible. Don't read an opinion first and then read that opinion into the Bible. Read the Bible first. Read it in context. Study the context a little bit. Go on Google and type in. Um, let's say you're ch studying Genesis chapter one. Study the context of Genesis chapter one. Who was the author? When was it? Uh, roughly around what time was it written? Who was the audience? And then. After that, once you have a, a broad umbrella kind of view of the thing, then you can read people's articles or views on it. And don't just read one, one stream or one denomination's type of um, view on it. Read a range of views, even the funky people. Like read <laughs> some of the views so that you can have a well-rounded view and you know what you believe. It, it, uh, you know for sure what you believe rather than just going, ah, <clears throat> Me, I read John Piper today, or me, I read uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes today, read what they said about so-and-so. Even though they might, even, even if they're the soundest guys alive, read broad. Don't just read, you know, in a very, like, tunnel-visioned way. Um, because this is the, the, the reason why believers will come on Twitter and say, this is why you need to read the Bible. It's because we're not being broad in how we study the Bible. We're mm -hmm. being so tunnel-visioned. And that's why our view of the Bible is very tunnel vision. So that's where I'll stop. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, that's, it's, it's something I'm passionate about. Sorry. Yeah, man, it's cool. Yeah, for me, do you know, it's pretty simple, man. Just add a few uh, different stuff to what you've both said because you've both pretty covered it well. But I think for me, it's definitely good to compare versions um, when reading a word. So for me, I use the Bible app, um, specifically NIV and NLT. But I think if there's like some scriptures or some verses that jump at me, it's, it's always good well, for me personally. I do tend to compare versions just to see the different versions. So I might check out the um, CEB version. I might check uh, New King James version, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, I might check AMP version just to be able to compare and contrast the different versions just for greater understanding. Okay. 
Um, I also think as well, and I've recommended to a few young people, having study Bibles kind of helps. Yeah. I know we're in a, we're in a day and age where we've kind of, well, a lot of people have got rid of uh, paper-based Bibles, but I definitely think study Bibles is quite helpful because mm-hmm. um, similar to what Ori was saying, it does have a few breakdowns, not exactly devotions, but it does break down uh, some of the context of the scripture, which which is quite helpful. So mm-hmm. it definitely does help. Um if you're not necessarily a paper-based individual and you're quite digital, as most people are nowadays, then like, you know, Aura Eman's mentioned, there's definitely other ways that you can study the word even deeper than obviously just what the scripture says. Mm. But I definitely do think that there's um, good ways to, to study the Bible. Um, I don't necessarily feel like there's a, a right or wrong, but I definitely do feel like there are ways to improve the studying of the word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely agree with Ian, man, and that the Gospels is definitely a great place. It's something that I definitely recommend to people as well. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for anyone that might not be aware, um, it's definitely great to have that foundation and that understanding of Jesus Christ and exactly what he what he came to do. I think it's a, definitely a great place to start um, to to gain the knowledge. I just want to ask a quick question on that, Ian, man. Though. There's one thing you mentioned about um, Old Testament and your focus, no, New Testament, sorry. Yeah. You mentioned the epistles are quite good mm-hmm. just for the listeners um what are your thoughts on the old testament because i don't want i don't want people to have heard that comment and might think that you only read <laughs> old testament. I, I know personally that you love the old testament yeah yeah i i i loved i, lo- I love the old testament as well um i love i love the the writings of the prophets i don't have anything wrong with the old testament i know that there are some people right now who are kind of fighting against old testament and it's kind of like well, it doesn't really matter because the New Testament is saying whatever, and we need to read it in view or in light of Jesus Christ. And I get that; that's good and whatever. But God had God was still spe- God was speaking in the Old Testament, um, and there's a lot that we can learn about the nature of God, God's relationship with mm-hmm. Israel. There's a lot of wisdom, like Proverbs. You don't have Proverbs in the New Testament, bruh. <laughs> the, 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 you don't have Proverbs in the New Testament. Open Proverbs. And there's a lot of wisdom that we could use even for simply, even for little things like interacting with people on social media. Like there's enough wisdom there. You have songs of Solomon. Like, bruh, no man can tell me that you'll find enough about <laughs> love in the new, uh, like about relating with your spouse as much as as much as Solomon dropped it in, in that book. So Old Testament is good, but then you have to just understand that the 600 plus laws that God gave to Moses for the Israelites, we are not under that. We are now under grace, the law of grace. Um, and we're, we're under the law of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. So don't get too encapsulated with the law or the legalistic pieces like in Deuteronomy where it says, you know, don't eat prawns and sea fish and sh- shellfish and don't do a skin fade and, you know, don't wear you, um, pieces of clothing that are made up of more than two materials, that kind of stuff. Like, there's a message in that, but now you can't now go around saying, oh, I don't eat shellfish because it says it in Deuteronomy. <laughs> like, if you don't eat shellfish, don't say it's because Deuteronomy says so. said so. It's better you say that I'd rather, for health reasons, um, I, I, I don't want to eat shellfish or prawns or whatever. It's better to say that than say, oh, I'm doing it because Deuteronomy said so. No, you're not under, you're not under Deuteronomy. Am I saying Deuteronomy is bad? No. It's good to read it so you can see what God said to the children of Israel. Old Testament, altogether, there are beautiful writings. 
by the prophets. It will humble you. And it it will definitely humble you, but it will definitely bring insight into into how God is progressively revealing himself throughout the scripture. So Old Testament is good as well. I love the book of Genesis. That's one of my favorite books. I love the book of Joshua. I love the book of Exodus. Those are two of my other favorite books. I love the book of Isaiah. Um, I love the book of Judges. I love the book of Samuel. Um, I love the book of Psalms. I love the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Daniel. Um, I love, there's many books in the Old Testament that I love as well. Um, But in terms of, um, they don't necessarily give you insight into the gospel. How they will give you insight about God and how he related with people and how he related with Israel, but not necessarily the gospel. So that's the difference. But by all means, read the Old Testament. And don't listen to those people that tell you to not read the Old Testament. Please read the Old Testament. For real. And before we close, you got a scripture, bro? Um, I I, I had a scripture for one of the things that we were talking about earlier about contentment. Um, Philippians 4, 11 to 13, it says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance, I've learned that the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that kind of just speaks to those who are kind of like wondering what's going to happen. Am I going to get married or not? Am I going to have this great job or not? Am I going to make millions or not? Like in all things, learn to be content, learn to be satisfied in God. Because, um, like God said to to Abraham, I don't want to get it wrong. I believe He said to Abraham, "I'm your exceeding great reward." And so, God, ab- above all things, God is your great reward. There's nothing that can take you away from it. The wife that you you want, the, the husband that you want, look, they're not outside God. They're all in God. Like everything that God has designed and ordained for your life, it's in Him. But we come to Him because we want to know Him, not not go to Him because we want the things. So. Be content. There's no rush, um, but have faith as well. God can do. God can do anything. God can do anything. Um, so yeah, be encouraged. It's amazing, bro. Or you got any final words for us? No, no. I think Iman wrapped it up nicely. I just wanted to say about the Old Testament. I think the Old Testament is brilliant, and I think in order to understand why we need Jesus and why and how, like Iman was saying, how the character of God has changed or. The need for Jesus, basically, I think it's really important to to read the Old Testament and see kind of how Jesus was the ultimate covenant that is, is spoken about in, in um, the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. don't neglect the Old Testament. And, you know, I find that reading the Old Testament is very humbling. You see characters like David and you see all the mistakes that he made and it kind of makes you feel like human nature has fundamentally not changed from mm. then. And if I was alive in Old Testament, that like God would have struck me down and I'm so grateful for Jesus. So, yeah, like, it's, I think it's good to read the Bible as a whole. Other than that, yeah, no, I've got nothing else to say. That's facts. That's amazing. All right, guys, thanks again for sending in the questions. Really do appreciate it. Uh, continue to let us know what you think. If you've got ways on how you studied the Bible, feel free to let us know. Feel free to help some of your friends because it's definitely a good discussion. Um, that's all. Thank you for sending that question in. It's definitely very helpful and I think it will allow the body to, to really grow. Right, thanks for listening, guys. Signing out. Peace.